Well, Susanna, now, if she could come and bring us our reading. Uh, we're going to read together from Mark chapter 10. And in the NIV, this is entitled, Blind Bartimaeus Receives His Sight. So we're reading Mark chapter 10 and from verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Thank you. Let's pray briefly for Barnaby and then we'll ask him to come and speak. So Lord, we pray that as we've read your word, you would uh, help Barnaby now as he comes to speak and that we would hear your voice in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you. Roland very much for the welcome and um, Susanna for reading and um, we've loved being here uh, on this little sort of mini it's sort of a, we, we try to describe it as a, as a holiday um, but it's been relatively full on as well but lovely to meet loads of you sorry if we haven't got um, out to you um, our church in Hoffman hasn't started meeting like this on a Sunday so we feel really privileged to be able to gather even despite all the restrictions with um, God's family and um, it's great to be here I hope you've still got Mark 10 open. It's one of my favourite passages in all the Bible. Um, what's it all about? It's all about how a king meets a beggar. And that's relevant for all of us because that is the only way that anyone ever comes to God. So it's all about when a king meets a beggar. Um, I was going to say for children, it's just Tabitha and Lydia. There, there are some actions. So anytime I say king, you can make a little crown. This is a crown. And beggar... You can go like that. So do you think you can do that with me? It's all about how a king beats a beggar. That's all of our stories. Okay, so I don't, I, don't know, I don't know you that well, but that's what you are. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're a beggar to a king. I just insulted you. Um, or I, I can't actually tell whether that's offended you or not, apart from the sort of narrowing of eyes, perhaps, from a few of you. Um, if you're not a Christian... This is the only way that anybody ever comes to Jesus, as a beggar to a king. And that's my story as well. If you want to know about me, I'm a beggar with a king. Let me try to explain that as we look, first of all, from the passage at the king. And you can see in verse 48 that Jesus and his disciples are leaving the city of Jericho and large crowds around him. Now, wherever you go in the life of Jesus, there are large crowds drawn by his teaching, which just made sense of their lives in a way that nobody else has did drawn by his character, that integrity and love and patience and purity and joy. They'd never met a leader uh, like Jesus, and they were drawn um, by his power, that he could 
actually do something about the problems of the world like sickness and people were starting to say maybe this is God's promised king the Christ apparently in Middle Eastern culture back then the more you esteemed a person the further you'd walk with them down the road after a visit and that's perhaps why the crowds are are following him down the road Uh, it sounds quite annoying actually Um, we're going to lunch with the Meneers and um, I can imagine having Sunday lunch and um, you know thinking well that's very nice we feel a little bit peopled out and as we start to walk down the road um, they then follow us all the way down the high street or if they esteem us a little bit less they just sort of trail off after a few hundred meters for a crowd uh, for a king crowds are absolutely no surprise but three things are surprising about King Jesus the people he notices the question he asks and the journey that he's taking so I wonder if you can see first of all the people he notices and I, imagine you're in that story and you're just trailing Jesus just hoping for a word with this great king as he leaves Jericho and it's hot and sweaty and then a particularly pungent smell reaches your nostrils some dead animal you think well the crowd marches on and then you catch a little glimpse of a bundle of rags oh, it's worse than a dead animal it's a beggar and the crowds take no notice of him and somebody knocks over his uh, makeshift shelter just a couple of sticks and a moldy blanket and someone else trips over his his uh, uh, little pot of gruel and curses beeping Bartimaeus someone else chuckles it's no wonder they call him the son of filth because the smell is coming from the beggar perhaps he's dead you think but then a little voice calls out Jesus son of David have mercy on me and you think how embarrassing and somebody uh, shouts out shut up beggar he's got no time for you but he calls out even louder Jesus son of David have mercy on me and verse 49 Jesus, is, Jesus stops and he says call him this king who could gather a crowd this king with all the power of God this king on an urgent mission stops for a beggar my name's Barnaby which means Bar means son of so I'm supposed to be the son of encouragement Bartimaeus means the son of filth and when God left heaven and stepped into this world he stopped for a son of filth I I wonder um, I often take my time too seriously Jesus never did I often just sort of politely neglect people and the Lord Jesus never did and we know that don't we that it wasn't a publicity stunt again and again the people Jesus spent time with were the nobodies tax collectors fishermen uh, children refugees the God who made the whole universe when he comes down to earth notices unimpressive undeserving people it may just be that actually some of us feel rather unnoticed mm. at the moment I think the, the masks can make you feel like that as you walk through town you can't tell if someone's smiling back at you anymore can you and actually we slightly ignore each other because we sort of don't really want to have to stop and have that conversation because we're not quite sure if that's allowed and um, you can feel very unnoticed by the world I think perhaps if you're isolated at home you may feel that way and I know the elders have been doing, doing, doing a great job of going around and knocking on doors and ringing people up you may feel actually just a little bit isolated by from church as though nobody really knows what you're going through at the moment nobody's asked you how it's going um, and family visits that were happening have started to tail off you can feel overlooked by God 
in all of that. Everyone else in the church seems to have much more of a real relationship with God than I do. And, you know, he answers their prayers. He doesn't answer mine. Your cry seems lost in all the noise. What I get to say to you today, friends, Jesus does notice you. And just as he stopped for Bartimaeus, so he stops for us, never marches past any of us. And as he heard his call, so he hears ours. And I just wonder, if you, if you, if you know Mark's Gospel, the big story has some huge events in it. And this little incident here doesn't seem to really add much to it. Jesus is marching on to Jerusalem. But perhaps this little incident's just included to encourage you and I today that the Lord Jesus notices us. So the people Jesus notices. Um, second big surprise about the king, um, the question he asks. And the blind man jumps up. And you can see in verse 51, can you see it there? Um, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Now, Jesus isn't mocking the man. He, he never did that. I think what he's doing is he's conferring dignity on him. And he's teaching him about grace. Let me try to explain it. Um, he's conferring dignity. It'd be very easy for Jesus just to heal uh, the man. Um, you know, with just a sort of zap and then march on his way. Just like you and I might toss some coins to a homeless person or maybe a, a meal voucher as we march on. But instead, Jesus speaks to him face to face. Uh, he befriends him, doesn't he? he? He invites him to share his problems. And he treats the man just as he does his best friend. So just have a look back at verse 36. Verse 36, speaking to James and John, some close friends of his, he asks, what do you want me to do for you? Same question, right? Jesus is treating this beggar as a close friend. And but secondly, he's asking the question to teach Bartimaeus and us about grace. So I think lots of people might come to church and they, they really expect the question to be asked them, what are you going to do for me? Maybe you've come out to church um, expecting that question from Jesus. What are you going to do for me? And as Bartimaeus calls out to him for help, you can imagine Jesus saying, well, why would I do that? What are you, what are you going to do for me? It's exactly the other way around, isn't it? What do you want me to do for you? And this is where Christianity is utterly different from all other world religions. Other world religions are broadly about what we do for God to earn something from him, to get in his good books. Christianity is about what Jesus offers to do for us for free. And it's what we call grace. And it is the most wonderful thing about Jesus, isn't it? The question Jesus asks. Third surprise about Jesus is the journey that he's taking if you look back at chapter 10, verse 17, you can start to plot that journey. Um, as Jesus started on his way, and then verse 32, they were on their way to where? Can you see it? Jerusalem. I'm asking you to look down at Bibles, but of course lots of people haven't got them actually. Um, let me keep reading anyway. He was on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus leading the way. Okay. Then verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 1, they approached Jerusalem. So this is a very deliberate journey that Jesus is taking from way up north down to the south. And he's not going because, you know, the weather's better or like us because there's a beach to go and, um, to go and visit. He's on a journey to his death. And so he says in, in, in the same chapter, verse 
uh, 33, we are going to Jerusalem. Why? For the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. So the horrific death uh, details of what, what faces Jesus are very clear as he takes the journey step by step by step. Jesus, why not stay up in the north? Your healing ministry is going down so, so well. No, I must go to Jerusalem. Jesus, why not stay in Jericho? People like you there. No, I must go to Jerusalem. And the, the reason we find is in verse 45. And if, you're not, if you, you happen not to be a Christian, you've, you've come in today. Verse 45 is, our key, is a key verse for you. For even the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that shows us that what we're seeing with Bartimaeus is just a very small picture of the big reason that Jesus came, to serve us as he gives his life to ransom us. Each of us, you see, are in a worse place than Bartimaeus, actually. Uh, probably, you know, if you if you stopped a homeless person, you find that actually sometimes they're, they're on the street for no other reason um, than just life's fallen apart. Not their fault. But for us, well, we are personally responsible. We've rejected God, our maker. And where Bartimaeus is socially excluded, he's an outsider. But we're outsiders to heaven and deserving exclusion forever and ever. And where he was physically blind, we're spiritually blind and helpless. And if you don't think that today, that's because you're blind. This is really important for us to know. If you, if, you, if you struggle to really think that what Jesus has done for you is anything at all, you've got to start to see yourself in these stories as the helpless, as the enslaved, as the, those gripped by evil. And we are in a worse place than poor Bartimaeus. And yet Jesus noticed us and he came on a journey from heaven to earth to ransom us. The Son of Man didn't come to be served but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. And the price for rejecting God is, well, it's death and judgment. Jesus gives his life to pay that ransom price to set us free. So that Jesus is not just a king who stops for beggars. He's a king who bleeds and dies for beggars. And you know, Bartimaeus must have thought Jesus was quite something when he received his sight. But he must have been astounded when Jesus ended his journey. And Bartimaeus realised what Jesus had really come to do for him. What a king. So I just want to ask us to pause. And let our hearts rise in admiration and worship and wonder of the king that we come to. Is he not worthy? You feel very uncomfortable coming out today. Was he not worthy that you come out and to spend a few minutes in a face mask? What a king. Let's move on just briefly for some reflections on the beggar. So we've thought about the king, now the beggar. Um, three things he can teach us. A, B, C. He admits, he believes, he comes. And firstly, he admits... You see what he shouts in verse 40, 47? Jesus, son of David, give me what I deserve. No, he doesn't say that, does he? That is how many people proudly relate to Jesus. I have to say, in Hoppenden, that's how many people that I meet relate to Jesus. Give me my rights. As if we're somehow entitled 
He doesn't say, Jesus, son of David, here's my CV, my checkbook, my, um, my church loyalty card. I even came out during the, lock, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the coronavirus. And how often we can drift into that, can't we? There is none of that with the beggar. Jesus, have mercy on me. I admit I've got nothing to offer. There's nothing about me to commend myself. Empty hands. I need your mercy. Well, have you done that? Do you keep doing that? I admit. Second, Bartimaeus believes. Um, verse 47, he says, uh, says that when he heard that Jesus of Nazareth had, uh, had um, uh, called him, he called out, Jesus, son of David. And that title's another way of saying the Christ. Okay? God had promised hundreds of years ago that he was going to send a king and savior from the line of David. And this beggar's believing that. Now, how? You know, he couldn't see Jesus, just as you and I couldn't. So he believes by hearing, doesn't he? Which is a great reassurance for us today. You know, all the crowds can see, and yet they don't, many of them don't really believe. Now, the beggar can only hear, and yet he does believe. Romans 10, faith comes through hearing the message. And that is why in our outreach, we do want to keep opening the Bible with people. It may, it may be that it's something that comes a little way down the line, but we need to keep thinking. Here's, the power comes from the word. He speaks and listening to his voice, new life, the dead receive. We do want to keep doing that. Because we believe that just like Bartimaeus, someone can hear and believe. That's why if you're here and you're doubting um, at the moment, and I think there are a number in, in Christchurch Harpenden who are in that position, who are solid believers, but actually they have been thrown into turmoil. We've got to keep hearing God's word. Faith comes through hearing. A, he admits. B, he believes by hearing. C, he comes. Verse 49. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet. He's calling you. And throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet. And it says he came to Jesus. And your name that the call of Christianity is not primarily a call to come to church or to sign up to believe a certain set of things, although these will follow, but it is a call to follow Jesus. And he, you know, he, just, he just wants you to know him. He wants to give you his forgiveness and friendship. And I think from hearing lots of your stories, that's what you've found. I love the earnestness of the beggar. If you're blind, you normally do things very slowly. He jumps to his feet. If you're blind, you want to keep your possessions close to him. He throws aside his cloak, probably the one that collected maybe a few coins in. How desperate he is to come to Jesus. I just wonder if there's that sort of earnestness from us. And um, If you're anything like um, folk at Christchurch, um, you're a bit zoomed out. Um, I, my guess is that actually these services, the first few, you're thinking, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I reckon in a month's time you're going to be thinking, oh, do I need to put that thing on? We can't sing. Let's learn from Bartimaeus. How desperate he was. He just throws aside his cloak. I've got to see Jesus. I want to, I want to hear about him. It's a great challenge at the, you know, the turn of a new academic year. Um, if you've dropped off going to your, your, your Zoom home group. Where's that earnestness of Bartimaeus? Pray for that today. And I find verse um, 52 very striking. Go, 
said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Just think of all the things the blind man must have wanted to do if he ever got his sight back. I just want to see my family again. I've never, you know, I'd like to see their faces. I just dreamed of dancing or running, going for a swim. Right? I've always dreamt of going on a holiday, somewhere like Lansing. Um, I just want a bath. I, I'd love to get a job and have some respectability and not have to beg. And all these things are forgotten as the first sight that reaches his eyes is his Lord Jesus, his loving King. And he just abandons all of those plans he'd ever had as he follows Jesus along the road. Now, if you're a Christian, your story, okay, many details are different from Bartimaeus. But it is the same, ultimately. We are beggars to a king. It's been lovely to hear lots of people's testimonies over the weekend. And it's been lovely to um, watch a little while back a few of the baptisms in the church. And you find that actually with all the different ways in which God's been at work, it's fundamentally the same, isn't it? We just admitted, believed, came to Jesus. Now, the truth is, that we never move on from that. And therefore there is never a place for pride or for self-righteousness, just humble thanks. We're beggars who've met a king and we're, we're just following him down the road. That, by the way, is true for any pastor like myself. Uh, we're just beggars pointing other beggars to where we found the king. So if you want to know the most fundamental thing about me, that's the most fundamental thing about me. I'm going to close with a prayer. King Jesus, some of us perhaps need to admit and believe and come to Jesus for the first time. And that is a big thing to do. We pray that they may hear your voice spring to their feet and follow him. We think of friends and family who haven't done that. Many of us, though, we are following. We're grateful for your work in our lives. But... Well, Lord, I find Bartimaeus' eagerness so challenging, how he sprung up, how he threw his cloak aside. And I find his humility a challenge too. Help me and each of us to follow you in that sort of way this week along the road. We pray as beggars to a king. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Barnaby. Let's complete our time together by listening to these words. Uh, of a, as a blessing uh, just as we leave. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.